Michael Broadcorp is our usually our political expert coming from the right side of the political aisle, but of course he is our football expert as well. We've had him on talking about the Vikings all season. We said we're going to have him back for the Super Bowl. Here is Michael Broadcorp. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. It's great to be back, even if we're not talking about the Vikings. Well, <laughs> that's a that's a pipe dream at this point. We'll I got a little Viking stuff to get to you with get to with you a little bit later on, but we are going to Vegas, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, how, you know, overall, you know, it's it's a rematch from a few years ago. How excited are you about this game? I'm very excited about this game. And just to be clear, we're going to Vegas, meaning, but I don't get to go to Vegas because if I get to go for AM 950, I'm ready to go. Bags are packed. I'm ready to take that ticket and go right now if we want to go. <laughs> well, uh, I I don't think the station budget is going to cover that one. You know, if, if heck, I don't even think most sports stations, sports stations used to send like half the staff to the Super Bowl or the World Series. Now, if you know, you get one guy that's for like eight different stations, that's the one guy that gets to go. Yeah, no, it's going to be, first of all, yes, it'd be great to go. It's going to be a great game. Um, it's going to be a fantastic game. I think, the I'll tell you who I'm rooting for later, but I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, you know, San Fran and the Chiefs, it's going to be it's an action-packed game, uh, and it's going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be entertaining. The commercials are going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful game day experience, I hope. Watching the playoffs, uh, was there anything as we went through the playoffs? Was there any the games that really kind of caught you off guard a little bit, or you were surprised by you know it was it is now the 49ers and the Chiefs? Was there any games that came back that you said, "Boy, that was I didn't expect that." Well, a couple things. I think you and I had raised. I think you and I had both said, Matt, that the Ravens were the team that we thought was. I mean, I thought it was going to be the Ravens in the in in the Super Bowl. I think it, I had said. I think we had both had said that the Ravens were kind of the team that we were had the the strongest potential, best team, particularly in the AFC, that they were the strongest team. And so the fact that they encountered that resistance from from Kansas City um, wasn't surprising. Um, it wasn't surprising that they encountered some resistance from from Kansas City, but you know, uh, Baltimore was a very strong team, and so I would have thought they would have made it in. Regarding the NFC. We had said, I think both had said that San Francisco was probably the strongest team in the NFC. I'm just glad that it's not the Lions because, as I posted on social media, had the, I can handle a lot of things. I don't know what the edge is, but if, if I was on, I don't know that I would have been able to do this interview today with the possibility that on Sunday the Detroit Lions would be win, potentially winning a Super Bowl. So a lot of things that I can handle. But I'm just the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl before the Minnesota Vikings is going to push me over the edge. Again, I don't know where the edge is, but that's just too much for me to process right now. <laughs> well, and I got to tell you that Lions game against the 49ers, one of the things the Lions, I mean, they really kind of pushed around the 49ers. And granted, the 49ers did what the Lions were doing to other people. They pushed them back, you know, to a point of almost penalties and stuff like that. But they the the the, the way they're running lanes opened up and the way that they were able to kind of make the San Francisco defense look like they were running after, you know, after Lions players. I I was impressed with that. I mean, obviously 49ers came back to win that game, but I first I for a second there thought, I mean, are we looking at the Lions? Are they a team of destiny? And well, no, they're just the Lions. <laughs> yes, and and I and I just, you know, I wish I'm not 
I, what about us? And I just, I'm glad that the, I'm just glad that we're not discussing the Lions because that would have been much more a difficult conversation for me to have because. Boy, oh boy, I just want the Vikings to have nice things right now. But the Lions did great. They're going to be a tough team next season. I think the Packers are going to be a tough team. So uh, it's going to be a competitive division. But I think Sunday's game is going to be a real It's going to be a real interesting game. It could go either way, I think. But I'd give the slight edge to, to Kansas City right now. Uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, I've, it, hey, it's become part of the story. She's going to fly back from Japan. I think she's in Japan for a show uh, and then she's flying back for the game. The NFL is tickled pink. I mean, they haven't had numbers um, in the the younger generation showing up for the NFL like they've had this year, and a lot of them point to Taylor Swift as being a reason why. Uh, but yet, once again, there are just... I don't know why people want to go out and vilify one of the most popular people on the planet right now, but there are some people that are like, I can't stand her. It's like, well... She's not on. I think it's great personally for football because it kind of brings a lot more together. Uh, your thoughts on Taylor Swift? I mean, you've already been saying it. You thought it was pretty good too. Uh, yes, Matt. And if I may, just 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 be very just candid with you and Claire. Uh, my my podcast host and I, Becky Cher, uh, uh, have discussed this at length. There's absolutely no question. First of all, I think it is absolutely fantastic for the NFL from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. Just in terms of building an audience, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Becky and I recently discussed it. She had some stats which showed that I think it had been flagged that around $332 million that the NFL believes that Taylor Swift and her fan base have brought in to the NFL. I will say this. The only criticism I have of Taylor Swift in this entire year of her involvement with the NFL is this. She went to Green Bay but she didn't come to U.S. Bank. Yes. It would have been great if she would have came to U.S. Bank. The only other thing is she's basically living my dream, which is <laughs> flying around the country, going and cheering for a successful team, and living it up at NFL games. I think it is absolutely fantastic what she's doing. She's bringing in a new audience. And if I can just put on my partisan hat for a second. Sure. It is atrocious how Taylor Swift and her fan base have been demonized by some MAGA Republicans, another thing, for simply going to a football game. Um, I, have, uh, I have tried to, uh, there, there has been not, as someone who has gone to NFL games since he was just a kid to now, I bring my family there. I want it to be a fun experience for them. Taylor Swift has not distracted in one iota from my viewing experience at home or any other game day experience that I've had. And all of this consternation boils down to what I think it is, is Taylor Swift's politics. She is incredibly popular. Um, and I think some MAGA people are upset about, and some Republicans are upset about her political ideology. Who cares? This isn't Russia. She's entitled to have it. But I also believe it breaks down a much more serious dynamic, which is there are a bunch of men who are frustrated that a, that a woman is intruding into their NFL space. And whether it's politics or whether it's sexism, uh, the, the, the criticisms toward Taylor Swift for just showing up at NFL, NFL games and having a fun time needs to stop because it's just bad. Yeah, and, and I, I hey, Travis Kelsey, I mean, when he scored the one touchdown and he does the heart gesture to her, I'm like, oh, my God, this is all America right now. I mean, that's, you know, it's... It, of course it is. It's just, how 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 are you against something like this? Because it's, it's, it's fun. Now, and I, 
I'm not necessarily. It's been entertaining to watch. I don't necessarily mean it. It's, I'm, I'm, it's Taylor Swift is pushing me to favor the Chiefs by any means, but I, I think that it's like if you can't look at what has happened here and the ability of of the NFL to really turn itself into that multi generational, much larger yeah. issue. I, I think you're, you're missing the point, and I think the, the NFL. I, they don't care about the haters. They, they they're like Taylor. Any game you want to come to, we'll make sure we have it, everything you need. Yes, absolutely. And I think that all of this. I think she's doing nothing wrong. I don't think her fan base is doing anything wrong. I think the NFL has uh, approached this in a very wise way. That this is a tremendous asset uh, to the fan experience, the NFL brand. It's working, and they should do nothing to. Stop it. And, and any of this type of criticism towards Taylor Swift is just misguided. Uh, one thing I'd point out, uh, MAGA Republicans and a lot of conservatives uh, don't have any problem uh, uh, cheering on um, uh, uh, other celebrities that are doing things like Kid Rock. Here's the truth of the matter. Taylor Swift is just more popular than Kid Rock. Yes. And so that's the only reason why they're, that's why they're frustrated is because, and they should maybe take a lesson as to why, uh, you know, people's politics is not as popular as it was on maybe their side of the aisle on some instances. Taylor Swift's doing nothing wrong. Yep. Absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, Michael Broadcorp joining us. I, I, I want to talk about uh, one thing with the Vikings, and that is uh, is Kirk Cousins. Um, there has been some, we, of course, he's not signed yet, and, he, and we don't know really where they're going to go. To my knowledge, have you heard of a dollar number that he has definitive that that's been definitively reported that he's asking for? I haven't. I mean, I have a lot of people saying he's asking for ninety five million, and I don't see that as a definitive statement from the Vikings or the Cousins camp. Either way, I think it's more people that don't want Kirk Cousins here putting out an, an insanely high number just to try to scare everyone away from wanting Kirk Cousins here. Practice. I have not seen any definitive number okay. uh, that has been shared. I've seen some estimates and some ideas on uh, social media. Reuters had a story which said it was around $90 million. I just don't know that it's true. The only thing I can attest to is what I think a lot of Minnesotans and people are seeing, which is that Kirk Cousins is doing everything to show that he wants to stay here in Minnesota. I think he's been quoted saying that dollars are really not what it's about. I think Kirk Cousins wants to be here, and if it works within the the organizational structure and goals of the Vikings, I think he will. Um, but I haven't seen anything specific that I could report on uh, and, and and validate. So, your thoughts then on this? I'm going to throw this out. You can tell me higher, lower. What do you whatever you think? I think you give him two years, sixty five million, sixty five to seventy million, two years. You basically say, "Come on in. Hopefully, you're healthy. Uh, make only one of those years guaranteed in case his Achilles does not heal up correctly. You get into the second round. You get one of those good quarterbacks, maybe the guy from Oregon, the guy from Washington. You get them in the second round. That's your quarterback of the future. They're playing under under Cousins with the idea that that's where it's going to go. And he say, you know, at the end of that, if he wants to go to another team, you salute him and you say, "Thank you very much. All our best." Or you basically, or that, and then he ends his career, and you put him up in the ring there. But I think that if you're going to do that, I, I think that's where I'm thinking is is 65 to 70 million two years. Is that too high, too low in your mind? I think if we could get him at that spot, that would be great. I do wonder if that's a bit low, but I think I think your metrics and your calculus and how you've explained it makes sense. 
if we could get him at that, boy, that would be a, I mean, we're talking $65 million, uh, and it's ridiculous for me to say that that's a steal, but I think that would be a, a, a good, that, that seems to be a dual price. I just wonder if it's a tad low, mm-hmm. but, but your calculus, everything else that you've assigned, it's based on what I've read and what I've seen, makes absolute complete sense. Yeah, it's 32 to 35 mil per year. I mean, that's, that's, you're getting up there. I mean, I think that would put him in the top 10, I think, in QBs. And, you know, and that's also a big risk for the Vikings. You know, you had a very serious injury. We're, we're going to, we're willing to roll the dice with you, but we don't, you know, we, 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 you know, maybe, maybe put some incentives for the second year if things go great, you know, that sort of thing. But I just, I don't, I, I'm thinking it from the Viking side. I don't know if you want to go too much more than that. Yeah. I think that, you know, that would be a good get. If I read headlines that said that, and that was the dollar figure, I would think, boy, that worked out well for the Vikings. Uh, but I think your logic is sound, and I don't know if it bleeds into more of the, the 70-ish million uh, or something like that, but, boy, I mean, that's the, the, your metrics and kind of your analysis as to why that's making all the sense to me. Uh, did you hear the draft? Okay, Colin Coward, who is I think is an okay sports guy, he made this suggestion for the Vikings to trade this year, trade our 11 pick this year, our first-round pick next year, and – Justin Jefferson to the Patriots to move up eight notches and get the third pick. And I said to myself, this is what you and I talked about before. These outlandish trades that get suggested, which are just pandering to a larger market, a more popular fan base at the expense of the Vikings, because that would be an insanely stupid trade if the the Vikings did that. Uh, I know my family is listening, so I need to be careful. If that trade were done... I would very well like lock myself with some type of chain to uh, TCF to the Vikings complex in some way. I would protest significantly. Please don't follow that. And and uh, that would be as we were talking about earlier, Matt. What's the edge? That would be a, an example of over the edge type situation. Boy, I hope that doesn't happen. All right, let's get to it. Uh, we have the Super Bowl. The San Francisco 49ers are uh, playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Las Vegas. And by the way, neither one of us is going to get a ticket to that game. That's what twelve thousand dollars or every ticket now. Uh, what is your thoughts? Who is going to win the Super Bowl this year? I still give the edge to Kansas City, but I'm rooting for the 49ers because of a guy by the name of Brock Purdy. And there's um, that's why I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. My father-in-law passed away recently. He was a big Brock Purdy fan, even though he was a Packers fan. And Brock Purdy is. I want to see have a good game uh, for my father-in-law, who's now upstairs up in heaven, and I hope that Brock Purdy has a great game. And so I'm going to be rooting for Brock Purdy. But I guarantee you I'm not rooting against the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. I'm going to root for Brock Purdy, and I hope the 49ers have a great game. How about you? All right, well, um, what, what's your score? What's your score prediction going to be? Oh, I, would, it's, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Okay. I actually think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, um, you know. In you know, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. How about you? I think it's, I think it's going to score somewhere in the high twenties, low thirties on either side. It's yes, going to I be. Agree. It's going to be a close game. And here is my linchpin: if it's a close game, if I got a quarterback out there that's going to get me a chance to win, not only would I take Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy, 
both good quarterbacks, but Mahomes has done this before. And then we need to remember what Andy Reid did last year to the Philadelphia Eagles in that Super Bowl, where he used the clock so efficiently against them to where they basically never got a chance to go back out in the field to try to win the game. And, you know, yeah. if, if you basically have a, a coach that knows how to basically play that kind of chess with the clock and Patrick Mahomes, I have a hard time figuring out that if it's late in the game and it's close, that they're not going to figure out some way to win the game. I think it's going to be – I'll yeah, go 34-30 uh, Kansas City. Yeah, most of the scores that I've seen pre- that have been predicted have been high scores. I think one of the most common predicted that I've seen is 27-24. A lot of the scores that I've seen predicted, the bulk of them are the Chiefs. And if they predict the Chiefs to win, they're predicting the Chiefs to win in the high 20s, low 30s. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but that's And so that kind of 30s, you know, 27-34 – 37, you know, uh, something or other. I, I think that's where this game is going to be. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a fast game, and it's going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be action-packed, I think. All right. Uh, it, let's, if you don't mind me picking your mind on politics for a quick session, we have the the, we have the, the legislative session starts up here on Monday. Uh, the Republicans, uh, you know, they, they've kind of thrown some test balloons as far as issues that they were going to try to, to to tie themselves to to try to get to you know a situation where they're looking at the election for this in November what can they kind of fuel the, the the voter base to get out to the polls for them I haven't really seen anything especially the KST people that came on out I mean the school lunch thing 70 percent of the state likes that so that one's toxic they're not going to touch that the child tax credit that's there taxes you know, social security tax. I, you know, I'm not sure. What, what are you seeing as far as the issue du jour that the Minnesota GOP is going to to hang their hat on this election cycle? I think they're going to try. Just, just my take. I think they need to look for some contrast issues. I think they need to. I think they want to want to talk about some bread and butter issues, taxes and spending, things they can roll back. I wouldn't be surprised if Republicans bring up issues related to school resource officers. Um, or other types of things where they think the uh, Democrats maybe have, legislative Democrats have not cleaned up on some issues. There was talk last year, um, yeah, it was last year, talk last year after the session closed in the lead-up to school starting, that there may be a need for a special session to start some of that uh, SRO and a school resource officer situation. I think that the, the smart play for Republicans would be to delve into some of those fiscal issues, rein back some things, talk about some spending, um, p- discuss um, recalibrating potentially some overreach by the Democrats last legislative session. You know, I know, for instance, on the school lunch matter, um, it's, it's popular, but there's been some there's been some concerns about some of the long term spending. Uh, I, I I hope that Republicans don't get in the weeds on on the on that larger issue. But I do think there's an opportunity uh, for Republicans to come back and talk about fiscal issues, where the state is going um, in terms of a spending opportunity and start talking about some of those issues and making the appeal to the suburbs uh, where they need to they need to substantively make up some ground, Mm. I think is going to be a good spot. I think one thing in particular, and this was there was a story about this. Um, and we can, you know, I'd love to talk about this more in depth at a later point, but you know, there was, there's been a proposal, uh, to kind of carve out Minnesota as a bit of a sanctuary state. I can see the Democrats coming in and, and whether they bring it up proactively in some ways, I think there was a bill that was drafted, but Republicans might bring that up too and start having some of those, 
some of those types of discussion too. Again, this is a shorter session, um, and this is the session right before the legislative session, before even before the election season. If I'm the Democrats, I would like there to be as short and as concise of a session that can happen. Um, the Republicans, I think, needed to be a little bit pro prolonged, and they need to kind of dust up the Democrats because this very will likely be, absent a special session, the last opportunity for the, the respective caucuses to come up with kind of their packages and information by which they want to run the election through. I do, I do not think the, the Democrats – I'll be surprised if they try to bring up the sanctuary city thing because that that would be a vulnerability, especially in a lot of the suburban areas and stuff like that. I think that would be – we'll have to see where that goes. Are you, you, your, your plan sounds solid, kind of, but it sounds solid with old-school Republicans, you know, kind of the precision, going in with a scalpel. You've got a lot of Republicans in the, the Minnesota G, GOP who basically are sledgehammers, and they are not nuanced, and they're not there – you know, all it takes is one guy out there talking about, I don't care about feeding hungry kids. And all of a sudden the GOP has got a nightmare trying to spin that or trying to get people to ignore this. Do you think that there have been conversations or at least attempts by the Minnesota GOP leadership to go to kind of some of these more MAGA senators and, and representatives and say, guys, you know, I need you to keep this in check until we get through November. Is it, do you think any of that's happened? I haven't been a part of those conversations. I don't know. Uh, I haven't been a part of those conversations, so I wouldn't know. But, you know, I think it's, I think that, you know, yes, I would like, I don't know if those conversations have happened. I think that any opportunity that Republicans can have from a messaging standpoint, meaning they can win, not a statewide Republicans win statewide, a meaning they can win, not a statewide Republicans win statewide, a meaning they can win, not a statewide election, but they can, you know, win some of these local races and have a possible coalition, just speaking legislatively, of course, that would be, I think, a beneficial conversation to have. Now, there is a U.S. Senate race up in Minnesota this year. Amy Klobuchar is running for re-election. And so through the lens of that Senate candidate on the Republican side, they're going to have to mobilize the entire state. And so there is going to be a statewide message uh, that will be carried by that candidate. But locally, uh, the Republicans, uh, I think at the, at the local level on these legislative campaigns, they just need to be make sure that they're able to speak to as many audiences as they can. And some of those audiences that they have lost. Mm -hmm. And so they need to make sure that whatever messaging they do is, is framed through that package. The, do you think that, I mean, so far I'm, I'm nothing, you know, nothing impersonal against the people who have announced they're going to run against Klobuchar. You're not really seeing the traction. Are any of the big names in the Republican Party, do you think any of them are kicking around the idea of trying to take on Amy Klobuchar? I still think there is. I mean, here's just the political reality is, is you know, um, Senator Klobuchar is in a very strong position. And there needs to be a responsible candidate that runs. But, you know, I know there's been some recent polling that uh, a media outlet did about, you know, showing that both, I think, the presidential race is relatively close here in Minnesota and that Klobuchar's uh, was in a, a strong position, but maybe not as strong as she had been before. I think when the campaign ramps up, I think um, I think you know that may spread. A, there may be a little bit of a spread there, but Klobuchar is in a very strong position. She's got a good brand. She's she is a, a strong incumbent, and that doesn't change the reality that Republicans have to put forth a responsible candidate that can run against and offer a message that the Republican candidate believes 
should be a question that should be laid in front of the voters. You know, it's just a tough race, Matt. I mean, yeah. you know, Republicans haven't won statewide since 2006. Um, they had close opportunities this past election cycle that were very close. But uh, in terms of tackling a statewide win, we were just kind of listing all of the candidates that have been elected statewide, mm-hmm. knocking off Senator Klobuchar, while it <laughs> needs to be a goal of Republicans and that they get a good candidate, that's a tough that's a tough task. Wow, that's actually a good point. And probably the toughest of, of that of, of, of yeah. all the statewide races. That's that's your the biggest hurdle for you to climb. And yeah, that's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you need to have someone that's you know that's got that popularity. And, and so far, none of the, the the best candidates I think from the Republican Party have have come forward on that. Uh, outstanding. Come back. Let's have you back here in a few weeks, and we'll talk some politics stuff. Okay. That sounds wonderful. And Thank been- you so much for the opportunity to be on to talk Vikings. I hope to come back next season under better NFL circumstances, but I just always appreciate the opportunity to come on in any capacity. You come back on Monday. We'll do a really quick recap on Monday after the game, okay? Sounds great, sir. Okay, cool. Michael Broadcorp, uh, Vikings expert and uh, politics from the right in the state of Minnesota. Kind enough to join us today. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.